Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby here from the Digital Shelf Institute. For eight years, Cara Wood, Salsify's head of brand journalism, has surveyed consumers across a growing list of countries to identify the shifting trends of consumer behavior on the digital shelf. 2022 was a year of shifting from pandemic to inflation and recessionary fears. The results of the latest survey are now in, and Cara joined Lauren Levac and me to lay out the chief takeaways and what steps brands might take to drive discovery, conversion, and loyalty based on how consumers are shopping today. So, Cara Wood, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast today to share some of your new insights. This is the eighth consumer research report that you have authored while at your time at Salsify. And we knew it was going to be exciting here. There's just been so much happening. The, the period that we're coming out of uh, to the to the new period we're going into of uncertainty and change and all those things that I know we were all really looking forward to seeing sort of how the consumers view of of shopping and digital shopping and where they get the ideas see how it had shifted in this most recent time and so thank you so much for coming on to to chat about it yeah thanks for having me uh it was it it is an exciting year especially you know we surveyed over six thousand consumers this year so it's the most we've ever done. And we also got input from five countries. So asked folks in the US, Great Britain, Germany, France, and Australia. Um, and that, this was our first year asking Australian shoppers. So it was very- Well, exciting. that English is is entirely different. So it was it was a huge lift to do that. You know, <laughs> we are super excited about having that kind of coverage. Uh, it's it's an, another expansion this year. And, and all of that input, it's really fascinating when you start to see the differences between and the similarities between all those regions. Yeah, well, it's, you know, part of it is we've had this global moment. Um, you know, everyone, everyone experienced the pandemic, but in so many different ways. So, Cara, what are some of the big overall themes that came out of the research? Yeah, well, I think one of the big ones, and it's something we've seen people ask about, is just that online shopping has stuck. So, you know, again, coming out of the pandemic, shoppers are actually not going to rush back to stores like some folks were speculating they might. Um, worldwide, 54% of consumers said that they made changes to their shopping habits. Uh, and, and that's post-pandemic, you know, asking them to compare what their shopping habits were like before the pandemic and now. And, you know, of that group, the vast majority, 68%, actually said that now they shop more online. Uh, an additional 25% said that they buy online and they pick up in store. So, so we've I talked a lot about how, how much fast innovation and investing retailers and brands made over the past, you know, really few years to create uh, new opportunities for consumers to connect, get what they need. Um, and then both through the digital shelf and then feeding into the, the physical store. So it looks like a lot of those investments have have been picked up by consumers and have started to become a habit, not just a blip. Is that? Is that how I think you that's it? absolutely right. I mean, the like people really appreciate it. I think the convenience they've gotten used to it, and there's like a new standard um, in in terms of what they expect from shipping. You know, they're and they're really relying on checking out all the information, having those convenient moments. Um, 
before they buy. So, you know, 39% of shoppers are saying that they're looking up product information online while in the store. So just any ways that retailers and brands can make it as convenient as possible for folks to find exactly what they want in that exact moment in time. Um, that's what folks are, are looking for. So that's a big flag that we wave at the DSI, which is really thinking about the digital shelf as something broader than just online retailers, and that the digital shelf extends into the in-store environment right now in the sort of ways that you're talking about, where you know I, I'm I'm checking my phone, I'm I'm trying to validate information or check reviews, or so bringing that. Uh, sort of uh, catalog of information into on into in-store shopping is happening. And then you also see things like cooler screens where there's a retail ad opportunity inside of of uh, the in-store environment and and so many other innovations that are being explored right now where digital plays a role. And it really requires uh, you know our audience to think about that expansive use and and how their organization might need to shift to make sure they're taking opportunity you know, advantage of those opportunities earlier using the information that they've gathered for the digital shelf uh, direct. Does that, I'm, does that Yeah, resonate? I'm so happy that you brought up new screens, Peter, because one of our biggest surprises in this report was actually how much people were already using virtual reality or augmented reality experiences when they're shopping. You know, 25% of all consumers around the world um, said that they shopped via those channels last year. So uh, you know, and and right away we sort of checked, like, is it just the youngins? But 45% of those shoppers were actually aged 30 to 44, and then another 35 were 18 to 29. So, you know, it, it kind of ranges. 5% were actually over the age of 60. So it is um, it is becoming something that people are looking for, you know, new ways to experience data going up to those new screens or using their mobile phone as a way to kind of map um what's what a what a furniture piece of furniture might look like in their in their um, home for example and that's what i was going to say Cara. just to clarify there around ar vr it's not like the headsets it's not like an oculus it's like how can this furniture like you said fit in a room what do these glasses look like on my face right like that's the kind of experience because i think there's a lot of questioning around what AR and VR can do for the broader commerce industry. And it's more about experiencing the product if you're not in store. Is that that's yeah, right, right, what that's, you found? That's absolutely right. That's what we found is that people it's it's that whole range of things that could be happening on your mobile phone or you might be uploading, you know, an image of yourself or using a screen or even being in store and using one of those interactive mirrors. Um, and, and and folks are already familiar with doing that. Like I said, nearly um, and nearly half of them, you know, under forty. So, and when you look at that by country, did you see if there were any any differences? Oh yeah. There? So, well, in Australia, had the least amount of adoption. So, it was still nineteen percent that said they had shopped that way, and then um, the German consumers were actually the the furthest ahead, thirty one percent. Uh, pretty much across the board, the rest of the countries we surveyed, you know, UK, 20% of folks said they shopped that way. In the US, it was 25%. And in France, it was 29%. So you can see a little bit of variation there. Like I said, Australia is, has the least amount of adoption, but it's still a pretty significant portion of the population. Certainly when our audience thinks about sort of targeting that 30 to 44 uh, segment that's at 45% adoption, you know, thinking about what AR and VR, and, and for those of you 
well, none of you can see me right now, but I'm doing, I'm doing, a, you know, finger quotes around that because I think it's more of a, almost a lowercase AR and lowercase VR than the things that normally sort of prognosticators talk about. And why aren't we there yet with the headsets and everything? The truth is, is that we're there in a lot of ways that make shopping more engaging and more effective for people. And investing in sort of those areas responsibly seems like the, the right response. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And I think from a brand perspective, I think it's important to call out with the things like click and collect or curbside pickup and AR, VR. These are all the things that consumers are looking for, right? So it might be additional costs on the brand, but you're reaching consumers the way that they want to be reached. So I think holistically looking at your business to understand where can you either test and learn or build in some of these new experiences so it's not just the option of in-store versus online and you're really kind of creating that omni-channel experience is really important based on the data and what consumers are actually saying. So I just re-emphasize that because the data is showcasing how consumers want to be talked to, how they want to experience things. And it's really important for brands to be able to build that into their, their overall plans. Right. And so, Cara, this is the global report. So we talked about some of the trends around AR and VR, but what are you seeing around the world? Uh, maybe let's take a clothing category, for example, like if someone wants to buy a Chanel coat, perhaps, like what, what are you seeing across, across countries? I mean, so I think one of the things to keep in mind, too, is we asked folks about how they were feeling with you know, inflation and pricing rising. And one of the biggest categories, you mentioned clothing, one of the biggest categories that's going to see a hit or some price conscious um, shopping is uh, is clothing. And in France in particular, you know, 77% actually said that they consider buying the generic label um, and 56% said that when price, price was the reason uh, that they would buy generic. Uh, the other the other 21% said when, when um, things were out of stock is why they would buy the uh, generic label. So brands are kind of having to work a lot harder to sort of win um, Mindshare. I think the other interesting thing that leaps to mind that's happening in France um, is that folks are shopping more eco-friendly. So in addition to thinking about their wallets, they're also thinking about the wider world. And 16% um, of French consumers said that they started shopping more eco-friendly during um, the pandemic itself, like thinking about um, global impact. Uh, and so in, in doing that, in that being a way that they shop, they're actually now looking for more information that supports those decisions. So 46% said that the way they shop for clothes is they actually want to find out how sustainably um, it was made. I, I think folks on the call will know that clothing has a uh, reputation, your use of plastics, um, the way that it's made. People are now a little bit more aware of that. And so that's information that consumers are looking for. Um, another really and Cara, oh, really, really quickly about the sustainability piece, like yeah. Amazon has a sustainability tag. So Amazon fashion has the ability for you to tag things like that. So where brands can find different retailers and how they're addressing sustainability, Target has different icons, Walmart has a new program that's coming out. So content is so important and people are going to search by sustainability so having that included in your taxonomy, having that included in your titles and your descriptions is going to be even more critical to, to being able to do that. Yeah, yes. that's part and of winning the algorithm, I think, is 
is the, the brands that are able to uncover those merchandising opportunities. If you have a way of being able to find out what you what the updates of your attributes are from your retailer and respond to them quicker than your competitors, in that in that search term area, you will show up uh, higher on the search page than somebody that has not responded to that. You won't even if you don't have it, you won't really be prioritized at all. So those moments are are not only sort of oh my gosh, my retailer is asking me for something else, but they're in fact showing you. And and I think our audience knows this, but I think redoubling the efforts to make sure you're you're finding ways to see and as much as you can automate that process of responding to particularly your key retailers for these merchandising opportunities is going to help you on your growth path this this next year. Sorry, Cara. I no, I was going to say you're absolutely right, and the, the you know there's some U.S. examples that we all think of, and in France. Um, there, there's actually even more of a push from the the government to to make sure that you're surfacing this information. I know there are a few digital apps that they use in France where they can shop ethically first. And so, to your point, if you're not there and you don't have the data available, you're not even showing up on the app itself. Um, another thing that surprised me, or not surprised me, but is a, a growing trend. Um, in France is the ability to actually buy secondhand clothing. And so I'm, I have started to see some uh, brands actually offer, you know, opportunities to buy something that's been turned, turned back in. Um, and, and in France, that's an even bigger trend. Yeah. And there's the, the, and this, to me, the, the, that ties not only into sustainability, but into the, the amount of consumers, 77% say they consider buying generic label store brand for clothing, that's about value. And yeah. so is uh, as much as it is sustainability, buying clothing secondhand is about value. And we've had a number of guests on the on the podcast that have talked about the need in this environment for brands that, that want to compete and that it makes sense for their brand, like luxury brands, it may not make sense, but for a lot of apparel brands to have a value line that might not be your top line, it, it may make sense in this new environment so that that sale doesn't go elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's happening overall is folks are really looking for, does this thing I'm about to buy going to last me? I mean, we saw it show up in a different way in Germany, um, just consumers spending more time researching products. So again, when we asked folks how what they were doing because of rising costs, 35% of German consumers said that they spend more time researching um, just to know. And then 56% said that product quality had actually become more important to them, that get the value from what money you're about to spend. And on the digital shelf, that really is, that needs to be communicated without that consumer touching that product. What are the things that that give confidence in product quality uh, in the in the consumer's journey? And how can that come to life? And there's a number of components or as we would say, sort of pixels on the product page that can help set brands up well for that. I mean, enhanced content, the sort of about the manufacturer section uh, being primary, uh, but certainly, you know, how do we encourage reviews around product quality and that SEO uh, capacity, I think is, I think is really important there. Yeah, we, we ask people to just rank what is matters to them on the product page. The number one thing is product description, which sounds so basic, but it's like they want to read about what is happening with the product. And then 
to your point, Peter, next up, customer reviews, next up, images of actually what you're getting the product. So, you know, people are relying on all of that, that content. Um, yeah, it just seems like, I don't think, with the exception of maybe the AR, VR numbers, that was a kind of a surprise to me, the, the, the level at which that had reached. But I think none of this stuff on here is particularly earth shatteringly shifted, but it feels like the pressure keeps being turned up of what is important to the consumer and probably the rise of value and, and product quality so that you have things that last. Like to me, that um, sort of spotlight is is was always important but is is intensified this year that says that consumers are you know making uh more considered choices about the things that they buy yeah that's right and it's funny because then i think what then ends up happening is brands are hearing this and they're thinking well how do i launch a new thing or breakthrough like how am i going to get someone to discover my new product so one thing I'll just say, and again, this isn't necessarily a surprise, but people are still discovering what to buy. Um, you know, again, using Germany as the example, like folks finding stuff through social media, then social, uh, then the shopping apps on their phones, and then actual search engines are the top three reasons. So it's that browsing feeling and then knowing that once they find your product, you really have to show the quality because that's what they're going to be judging you against. And that top three, that's a different order of precedence than we've seen in prior years. For, for search engines to be number three <laughs> tells us something, right? Which we already knew, but consumers and, you know, are telling us that. I'm so glad you said that, Peter, because what's not on that list, which is also a way that we usually expect consumers to find products, is Amazon as just a uh, re you know or retailers that are aggregating lots and lots of product content. We're seeing things that are either personal to you on the phone, so global like a search engine or the social media where you've got the influence of who you follow and who you trust um, versus a, a retailer who's aggregated that content. Retailers showed up on the list, but just to call that out that folks are when they're looking for a new product, they're really casting a wide net. When we ask them about how they research, that's when a lot of the aggregate retailers came up, like an Amazon product page is going to matter to them then. I think it's interesting because when you think about how strong and important ratings and reviews are, I kind of look at social media as a large platform of ratings and reviews, right? Because it's real people using it day to day. So it makes a ton of sense that that's a number one place that people would go, especially when they're connecting to value, right? It's in this economy, spending money, people are more frugal, so making sure they get the most value. I think the using social media apps is just a new way to be able to enable that. And I think also this reemphasizes the fact that brands still need to do brand building, right? We, we yeah. had a ton of conversations on the podcast about how brand building is still incredibly important in order to be successful on any of these channels. Yeah, that's... No, it's it's true. It's true. Um, what are the Brits up to? <laughs> What's happening over there? Well, I always think, uh, I, I mean, so what, I guess one of the things that I wanted to definitely highlight on this was just what's happened with um, grocery shopping there. Um, in, in part because, you know, it's a small island country and we asked folks sort of what ha had changed with them, what their expectations were around 
delivery. So, you know, 41% want same day options. 56% say that it's important to know that things won't actually show up crushed. And so these are some of those, again, those, they're basic, but when you think about what folks have just gone through with the pandemic and now coming out of it, still shopping online, um, and still buying their groceries online, it's even more important that what shows up comes, arrives on time and edible. Um, and then, uh, Folks also, another thing, you know, we talked about um, what people are looking for about the products they shop. 30% want lots of brands to choose from, and then 25% want dietary friendly options, you know, so you might think you check that box, but making sure that you do on the app that they might be shopping from. So are you showing up as dairy-free, gluten-free? Um, are those keywords integrated into your product description so that consumers who are looking for it feel really comfortable? Um, and then 23% wanted locally sourced. And so that's another thing that you need to make sure speaks across your, your product listings, uh, especially in grocery. And that's where I think the, because it, it takes two to tango on that part, right? Like not only does, do brands need to have that content to be able to share, which some retailers are already asking them for, because, you know, when you talk about um, dietary friendly options, that's kind of a big potential list of attributes, keto friendly, you know, go yeah. through the list, whole 30, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so that's a bunch of different attributes that adds up. It's not just, are you diet, dietary friendly? It's do they, are they okay for my diet? Right. Right. And, and then the other piece of that equation, of course, is that the glasses that they're looking at to find that out, whether it's Instacart or some other app, like all of those retailers or shopping apps need to accept and and ask for those attributes and that's part of the problem is not that often not the brands don't have the data but that those retailers have just not set up being able to accommodate that data in their schema and so it takes work on both sides to be able to do that and and uh, in in this case the the retailers that answer those questions sooner will gain more loyalty for them from their consumers. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, well, so I mentioned at the top that we also asked Australia for the first time. So I want to make sure that I make time to talk about what's going on there. Um, and I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit with, you know, looking for consumer reviews. So definitely uh, folks, you know, 71% say they don't buy a product when there's a bad review. And then uh, 70% are, are worried about high prices. So just calling that out. I mean, it's a very slight differentiator, but, you know, again, the reviews and the trust and the quality is, is coming a little bit ahead of, um, of actually worrying about how much it's going to cost them. So it goes back to that value being important. Um, and then 51% say when they don't have enough product information online, that's the reason they pass on the product. Interesting. I'll, I'll tell my audience, you're lucky because I was going to ask Cara to actually do each one of these sections in the accent of the country, but uh, we both decided that that was not a good idea. So yeah. uh, thank you. I, I, would, I, I would like to do a version with that though, Cara, at some point, <laughs> if you don't mind, because uh, we'll put it up on social media. <laughs> so uh, let's come home. Uh, from a U.S. perspective, what what really stood out to you? Uh, well, I mean, one of the big things, and I, I, I feel it myself, is experiencing stockouts. So 
the U.S. were actually, U.S. consumers were experiencing the most uh, empty shelves. 73% said that in the last three months, items weren't there. Um, and so when you compare that to last year, when only 43% of consumers were affected that way, you can really see that that jump. Um, and and then, just because we're in 2023, when you say last year, we're talking about ex their experience in 2022 was 73% had that experience and then in 2021 43 percent i just guess that's right thank you yeah we because we asked folks uh, the survey ran at the end of november yeah. so um so november 2022 so folks are talking about that window of time um you know thinking back to the window of time between august and november essentially you know back to school shopping um and all, maybe holiday, hol some holiday yeah. shopping that they're doing um preparing meals for their families like all of those moments um, folks were feeling like they weren't finding everything they needed year over year. Um, and then another thing, you know, retailer websites actually became a lot more important when people were checking what was available. Um, so 46% are using search engines and then 45% are using retailer sites to research and compare. Um, so I talked about, you know, the shift from retailer websites not being as important around discovery, but they're just as important, if not more important, when folks are actually like, is the product going to be there? What is it? And let me compare where I actually want to go and buy. Um, and that compares to the next highest, which is 23% using, using a mobile app to get that same information. And did you see anything around, you know, we talked earlier about sort of private label, private brands, things like that, anything around sort of U.S. behavior? Yeah. So, I mean, 18, I talked about stockouts too, like 18% of U.S. consumers said that um, they will actually just buy the store brand item when the branded one isn't available. So making sure that you know the availability of your product, if you think about they're searching on the online retailer to see if it's even there, when it's not, they're going to buy the store brand. So it's really important to have that product availability data um, being sent right alongside all of the, the data about what your product is. And with a lot more people buying online, a lot of people just reorder cart, right? So if you're out of stock and they've deferred to another brand and that's now in your cart and you reorder it, I, there's even more importance on how can you get your brand discovered so that they can then replace that item again. Yes, exactly. You're going to fight way harder to win that new customer or when you lose them. That's right. So really, when I when I sit back and think about those themes that we've been talking about, you know, the ongoing stickiness of of shopping online, uh, the 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 greater importance of value uh, in in the consumer's mindset and and that part of value is do I get the product I expected? Is it a quality product? Will it last? And then other things sort of go under that, such as sustainability, et cetera, uh, and look out for ARVR. Did I capture, did I summarize that? Uh, yeah, I, thank you. And I mean, there is so much data. I'll just like throw in a plug. People can go to the Salsify website and, and, um, and you know, get the, the full scope of it. Um, you're, it's salsify.com backslash consumer research 2023, because uh, there's a ton of nuggets in there. Um, but you're absolutely right, Peter. I mean, those are the, those are the highlights. And will they be able to get the country by country data as well there? 
Yes, so we actually have global data and then we have an interactive um, report. Folks who've seen our last year, it, it does the same thing where you can toggle back and forth and sort of see what matters on each product page, uh, country by country. Well, Cara, um, first of all, thank you for eight years of soldiering this survey and seeing it grow from, uh, uh, I don't even remember what year one was like, but it definitely was only in the U.S. Yeah, it was only in the U.S. And I think we asked about a thousand folks. So it's really exciting to see it expand uh, around the world. Um, well, thank for you sure. for putting the effort in and uh, and for bringing these these insights to us. And again, that's salsify.com slash consumer research 2023. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again to Cara for sharing her research. To dig in further, go to salsify.com slash consumer research 2023. While you're tooling around the interwebs, go on over to digitalshelfinstitute.org and click the member button to keep getting connected with all the latest research that help you shape your strategies. Thanks for being part of our community.